You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Oh, man, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. So much stuff happened on this week for Raw and SmackDown. People have edited Wikipedia because of this stuff. We're going to get into that and more this week as we... Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? You just made the list. Oh, I knew he was going to do that. I just knew he was going to do that. He don't need Janetti. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Answers, I change the questions. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the most inappropriate pro wrestling show in the motherfucking world. You're listening to Breaking Down the Ring, and also, you could be watching Breaking Down the Ring. I am your host, the all-Mikey one, Mikey himself. I am alone today due to the fact that uh, the widespread panic of AIDS has really taken over the ring crew uh, after our event at Thomas McGee's. Uh, it seems that Orlando Christopher coughed on everybody, except for me. I was taking stuff out to the car, and I come back, and everyone's just like, oh, he coughed on us. Oh, we have AIDS now. And a week and a half later, they still have AIDS. Uh, that's just how it goes sometimes, man, here in the in the business. we uh, You get AIDS. But luckily, on breaking down the ring, we have the cure for AIDS. So that's totally fine. Unfortunately, we do not have the cure for this week's WWE television. So before we go into any of that, before we talk about how horrible Raw from Milwaukee was on how SmackDown didn't follow it up with anything much better, but it's really difficult to hit those lows, we will get into some of the stuff as far as news and things in the week. First things first, uh, CM Punk did a radio interview uh, this week, he did it with MMAfighting.com, and he did it because he's doing a uh, commentary. Uh, he's doing de- debut commentary for Cage Fury Fighting Championships at CFFC. Uh, he's going to be doing it on December 14th in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And th- he was asked about this possible Young Bucks, Cody, Jacksonville, Jaguar, all-out promotion uh, all elite wrestling. No one really knows for sure. Um, I'm not going to go into it too much just for the simple fact that there's really 
not a lot to go into that hasn't been discussed all of last week. You know, uh, the dude who runs Jacksonville Jaguars basically took out a whole bunch of patents, uh, all elite wrestling, uh, all out, uh, Tuesday night dynamite for a possible show. And a lot of people are saying, Oh, that's going to go head to head with SmackDown. No, it's not. Remember SmackDown's going to Fox in 2019 and then they're moving to Friday nights instead. So, it's it's going to be a weird dynamic for WWE as a lot of instead of going back to back they got you know they, back to the old ways of Monday and Friday because it used to be remember it was Friday night SmackDown so they're going to be doing that again but they asked him uh, rumors of him going to the if they're starting their own promotion and he goes he basically said and this is a quote from him uh, I think that at this point that whatever those guys decide to do will be great for them and their families. If I was asked what I would do or what I would say to them, because they could obviously go to WWE whenever they want. It's just a matter of, is this what's best for your family? And I think we live in a time now where WWE is not the end all be all. I don't think it has been for quite some time. I think the stigma that it is, is still there and probably will persist for many, many years, but enough people have been there and had left that can, I guess, extol the knowledge of, Hey, you know what? The place ain't all that. And that's obviously coming from a biased opinion. Remember CM Punk, when he left, he was angry. And, you know, a lot of people say rightfully so. A lot of people say he should have stayed and just finished up instead of kind of like, you know, taking his ball and going home. But look, man, when you're done, you're done with something. And he has not been happy with the world of professional wrestling. The first thing he did since he left professional wrestling, if anything wrestling related, was the signing at Pro Wrestling Tees the day before All In in uh, Chicago. And it's probably not so much wrestling related as it's just the fact that CM Punk and Colt Cabana were the first people to get Pro Wrestling Tees off the ground. Um, I mean, give him that shot in the arm to get him going. I want to say off the ground, uh, but they definitely helped propel them when CM Punk wore a pro wrestling t-shirt on Monday night raw, you know? So I'm not so sure it was a, Hey, Cody bucks, what's up? I'm going to do this for you. I think it was more of, Oh, this is pro wrestling some, something in Chicago. This is my hometown. It's helping out a buddy of mine that has helped me out that we have had business t- dealings together and I'm talking about Ryan because obviously Colt Cabana uh, and him, are, I guess, are still on the outs. But again, bottom line is CM Punk hasn't been involved in anything wrestling. But they did ask him about him coming to the promotion. And they said that the question was if he would listen to an offer from Cody and the Bucks. <clears throat> and this was also his quote. He goes, I would always listen. I would listen to them because just like Dave, I like the Young Bucks. I text with Matt on and off, but business is business. I know Cody was out there in the media saying that an offer was made for All In. An offer was not made. Calling me up or texting me saying, hey, if you want to come to the show or do something, we would love that. It's not an offer. That's not an offer. He goes, there's other things. There's a couple more loose ends that I'm still trying to tie up, fully absolve me from the world of pro wrestling. I feel like I've still been attached to it since the day I left. It's that mostly because of Fugazi lawyers and such. But we're wrapping up. We're wrapping all that up. And that'll come to an end. And once I'm truly free, we can explore the world and just float and hang out. And I can walk my dog and drink coffee and do commentary for Dave Schuller and continue to train at, at Rufu Sport. Sorry. And do all kinds of stuff. I've earned it. I've paid my dues. So CM Punk's not talking about coming back to wrestling. Obviously, so many people want him to come back. Uh, I'm of the ilk where I think he was overrated. 
I, I think he was really good on the microphone. I think CM Punk is one of the best in ring. I think he was. I don't. I don't want to say he's average. I don't feel he was average. I don't. I feel he's above average, but he's not like in the talks of you know technically sound as Brett or you know Angle or as flashy and with the showmanship style of Shawn Michaels, you know, and definitely not like Okada and Omega now. So I I don't think, I think he was severely overrated because of how great his mic skills were. I think he got put into a 434 title day title reign because of a contract stipulation when he threatened to walk out and how much publicity that pipe bomb promo got him. That's just me though. You know, there are some people that live and die by punk and that's great. I'm not saying you're wrong because wrestling is a 100% opinion based situation. And it's not my opinion to say your opinion is wrong. It's my opinion to tell you that your opinion is dumb, not wrong, dumb. No, just kidding. So, um, if this all elite wrestling shows up, if the bucks and Cody do do something, it's going to be big, man. And it's definitely not them going to WWE because it's finally maybe another promotion that can rival it. But the problem is, man, I feel like this is early TNA where, yeah, you have some of the bigger draws, you know, but at the same time, they did that all in. And then there was that next show that they were a part of for New Japan. Nobody really went it was a 10,000 you know 10,000 seater I think it's like four you know so it's gonna if anything it'll float like a ROH it'll float like NXT where it goes to smaller venues you know like in Detroit you know Raw and Smackdown go to Little Caesars Arena but NXT goes to Royal Oak Music Theater which is a very small venue but luckily it's awesome because it's also much more up close and personal I don't know that they could sell out 10,000 seats Every month, every other month, every couple of months, I don't think they could do. I don't think they could do it every year. You know, all all in was a situation where it was supposed to be a once in a lifetime event, a show put on for the promotion uh, outside of popular promotions with the popular promotions stars minus WWE. You know, similar to what Jericho did with the Jericho Cruise. Everyone was involved, man. No one from WWE other than the people that had signed after they had signed Jericho Cruise. You know, it's that's just it's just how it goes. This is going to be a promotion that is going to get a huge amount of fanfare early, but if it does what All In did and that is just put over the people who are doing it, it's going to fail quickly in my opinion. That's again just my humble opinion, but I don't think that I, I I don't I don't think the Bucks and Cody would go into something like that only to put themselves over. You know, I I could see it in some aspects, but I don't I I think that they're smart enough businessmen, smart enough marketing. I mean, look at what the Bucks have done with merch. I believe they're smart enough to where they can make sure everything uh, works together. Next bit of news, uh, as we mentioned earlier, as I mentioned earlier, WWE is moving to Fox in 2019. My assumption is that's like after WrestleMania. I don't think any f- specific date has been set, but there is something becoming a part of this that's a little annoying to me. And it's very much like we talked about with Saudi Arabia. All the money that WWE is getting from Saudi Arabia, whatever, you do your contract, you make your stuff, that's fine. I don't give a fuck about that. What I do give a fuck about is that money controlling your storylines. 
And it seems like Fox is doing the same thing. So Saudi Arabia was like, oh, 20 million more dollars and you have The Rock show up next year as the WWE champion or as a universal champion or what, or as a champion, right? That affects fucking storylines. That takes the belt off of people that probably should have a good run with it. I mean, again, this is just – this was back when AJ was the, t- was the title holder back before, you know, Roman announced that uh, he was – battling leukemia again but it was a situation where it's like dude money should not affect storylines it, it, it to that extent you know what i'm saying like it, like oh we're just completely going to give the rock the title for a couple days or a week or a month so he can go to fucking saudi arabia and have it maybe lose it in saudi arabia whatever shouldn't fucking happen well now there's deals coming out exclusively um uh, this is coming from wrestlinginc.com uh justin labar is the reporter and i'm just going to read the fucking article <laughs> Wrestling Inc. has learned that Fox wants to have Ronda Rousey on the SmackDown roster when SmackDown Live moves to the network. Fox feels that Rousey's MMA background, popularity, and credibility as an athlete will be a major selling point to promote the show. As previously reported, Fox reportedly wants SmackDown to have more of a sports direction and feature less comedy to fit in with their other sports programming. The addition of Rousey to SmackDown Live is expected to make her main a main player in their efforts to do cross promotional campaigns between WWE and Fox's other programs. Look, dude, again, the money should not affect this. You know, it should be, does it make sense for, uh, does it make sense for fucking Ronda to go to SmackDown? Is there an angle there? You know, things like that. It should not be like, oh, Fox fucking wants Rousey, so we're going to give, uh, we're gonna put her on SmackDown. No, it needs to make sense. And this on-the-fly writing, on-the-fly booking, this 50-50 bullshit is the same fucking shit that's causing episodes like this week's Raw. You know, it's like, we don't know what to do. Now, granted, I get it. Every one of their plans went in the fucking air the minute Roman had to fight leukemia again, but it doesn't fucking matter when it comes to something like this. This is not a weird, gotta, we got to fucking scramble now. We got to scramble because our top guy just went out. No, this is, so down the line, Fox is giving us a whole bunch of money. Uh, we're going to do something to please them. The network shouldn't have a, a say in the story storyline aspect of WWE. I'm all for them wanting a more sports-like presentation because it works with their Friday crowd and their weekend crowd. That's fine. I get that. That's not, that's not affecting anything story-wise. You know, that's just, we're putting on a more story aspect for this. We're, uh, we're putting on a more sports aspect for this and taking a little bit of the story out. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with what a network wants from its shows. But I don't see fucking what ABC going, hey, Modern Family, uh, Sevilla Vergara, her tits aren't out enough. We need that. Granted, ABC is a fucking family company and that's not something they would say. But again, it's not something that anyone's doing. Fox isn't going, yo, Marge has been in that goddamn dress on The Simpsons for years. Why haven't we seen a fucking cleavage shot more uh, more recently? We need that. That's what we need. What the fuck are you talking about? Networks should not dictate Anything about the goddamn show as it, as the writing staff and uh, the presentation as a whole like that. I'm I, It blows my fucking mind that anything's even being considered like this. This doesn't mean WWE's doing it. They very well might not do that and maybe give them someone else, you know. But 
I understand why Fox is asking for this. It makes sense. We've featured her before, FS1, all this stuff. We've done a lot of stuff with the UFC. She's already known on this network, so on and so forth. But again, doesn't fucking matter. You should not be trying to put your hand into the creative soup that is something that you purchased. You purchased it, obviously, because you thought it had the potential. It thought it was going to make it better. You don't get to dictate the writings of it. That's the problem I have with it. And... If you're going to constantly throw your fucking hand in the bag, then you shouldn't have tried to pick up the fucking network. You know, you shouldn't have tried to pick up the shows. It's, there's a selling point there. There's a reason that you said, you know what, this is going to make us money. And it sure as fuck wasn't you going, Hey, WWE is going to let us control creative. No, that's, you don't get fucking creative control. You're just, you, you get you. You get you. You're putting the money in it. You get profits. If you're not seeing profits, you don't resign it. Simple as fucking that, you know, I'm all right. Again, all right with the more sports aspect of it, but don't control the fucking storylines. Saudi Arabia shouldn't be doing it with their money. Fox shouldn't be doing it with their money. Simple as that. Um, now we're going to talk about, <laughs> um, what people have edited on Wikipedia to be the, the place where wrestling died. Uh, Monday Night Raw from Milwaukee. Man, a lot of people shit on this episode. A lot of people fucking hated it. Hated it, hated it, hated Raw. Fucking thought it was the worst Raw they've ever seen. Uh, it's not. A lot of people thought it was uh, the drizzling shits. Yeah, well, it kind of was. But they thought there were no saving graces. And there was. Granted, there were two. And one of them was a commentary line, even though commentary was fucking horrid the entire fucking time. And it showed in the ratings. This is the fourth lowest raw in the modern, fourth lowest rated raw in the modern era. How do you do that? How does WWE look at this and go, man, our shit's getting worse. People are watching less. Let's make it fucking worse. Are you kidding me? That's what you did. You based an entire hour of a three-hour program around Baron Corbin. It was the first Monday night Corbin, and it was shitty, horrible, fucking ridiculous. But the ratings definitely showed there. So for the first time, well, for the fourth in, in modern era, Raw put in a 2.37 mu million viewers. And they had no fucking competition, man. There was nothing going on. It was a shitty fucking Monday night football game. Uh, I think it was Titans versus Texans. Cool. That's, that's got some skill there. Oh, those, those fucking, man, they are fighting for the fucking playoff fight births. God damn it. Uh, nothing. And according to, uh, FW, F4W online, uh, you know, the wrestling observer figure, figure four online. Uh, they also, dropped a serious percentage in females uh women uh 18 to 49 they dropped 17 percent from the first to the third hour uh the hours were 2.61 million viewers in the first hour uh 2.38 million viewers in the second hour and 2.11 million viewers in the third hour that's not something you want you don't want people tuning out more and more and more as a matter of fact uh this was a 19.8% drop in viewers from the first hour to the third hour. That is um, 
number eight in, in the drops of Raw. Number one actually happened last year, October 23rd, 2017. Uh, Monday Night Raw started off with 3.3 million viewers and finished with 2.55 million viewers. Uh, that was a 23.26% drop. Dude, if your fucking show isn't holding on to viewers, there is a problem. You are not doing something right. You are fucking up royally. Royally. Yes, saving graces. Uh, my saving graces for it, we're going to get into it, but I'll start off with my saving graces. Um, what started off as probably the worst fucking thing they could do on the show that was just getting worse and worse and worse actually turned out to be something that wasn't that bad at the end of the segment. And that was Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Rollins holding his open challenge and saying, yo, I'm going to fight whoever comes out there for the IC title. And it was Ziggler. And man, there were so many teases online. You know, Zack Ryder said maybe he'd come out for it. Maybe someone that could just get a little bit of screen time on Raw. It's a fucking open challenge. If you're not going to take the belt off him, at least give somebody a good fucking match, dude. That's what you need to do. But they had Dolph Ziggler come out. And talking about, oh, ever since Dean left, you've been, your head and heart aren't in the right place. So I took it from you last time. I could take it from you this time. And they had a great match. It started off a little slow, but that match really got into it. And a finish that was really good and saw the the use of the superplex into the Falcon Arrow to finally get a three count for Seth. Now, a lot of people that obviously... I'm not, I know I'm not the, we're not, this breaking down the ring is not the only people that do anything about wrestling. I watched a bunch of people talking about this on wrestling, you know, Brian Alvarez, uh, people from cultaholic people from, uh, what culture and all that stuff. Uh, a lot of people were like, man, finally Seth finished someone with the Falcon's arrow. He's never done that. And it's going to lead to the possibility of it happening again. Maybe even with Dean at TLC. The son of a bitch has fucking done it before. He beat Finn Balor with it uh, when they were having their uh, little back and forth. There was a one of the matches where he hit Balor. One match, Balor reversed it and fin- finished him. But then another match that he beat Finn Balor with the Falcon Arrow. It's not the first time he's done it, but I agree. It's one of those signature moves that could be a finisher. You know, uh, He missed the stomp a couple times and finished with the Falcon Arrow. Great fucking match. It's, look, yes, we've seen that match more times than we can count, but it still puts on a show each time. And as our own Orlando Christopher says, you know, it doesn't matter how often you're doing something as long as you're doing something well. Yes, the beginning of it got groans, but you know at the end of that match, you were going, that was a fucking good match. I'm really happy about that. You know, and the other saving grace was Corey Grave. Corey Graves, when he was, uh, he quoted Wayne's World. He goes, uh, it's, you know, it's El Gokwin. Shit for the good land. I believe that was a quote from Wayne's world. Either way he said it. I was like, uh, okay, this show's not that bad. Uh, Wayne's world is quoted. And if there's Wayne's world quotes, fuck yeah, I'm in for it. But it actually was really bad. So let's get into, (laughs) um, Monday night flaw. I'm just gonna, yeah, that's what I'm gonna call it. Monday night flaw. Hashtag Monday night flaw. Uh, general manager elect Baron Corbin. I'm just reading off the WWE. So I'm gonna tell you exactly what they wrote and I'm gonna give you my fucking opinion on it. All right. General manager elect Baron Corbin announced the fate of his TLC match with Braun Strowman. 
Man, that is a nice way of putting, holy fuck, we started this show like this. What sense does this fucking make? Uh, Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. Sorry, 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 sorry. Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre come out as this newly formed uh, stable of heels with Leo fucking Rush, uh, who no longer has a mic. <laughs> yeah, no mic for Leo Rush. <laughs> Got the man right here. Yeah, Lashley. No. Done. They took the mic away from him, basically. Um, and Baron starts talking about how he's going to win the TLC match, even though Braun's severely injured and has to go through elbow surgery. And he's going to have his match. And once he's once Braun doesn't show up, he's going to win by forfeit and be the general manager, the permanent general manager of Monday Night Raw. Um, a lot of things I have a problem with with this. First and foremost, where did this fucking stable come from? Where, what happened to Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler? Just gone? Why is Bobby Lashley all of a sudden the almighty? Why is Baron Corbin forgetting? Why are we forgetting about what? Kurt Angle. Where the fuck is Angle? Angle's on vacation. He wasn't fired from his job. Acting general manager Baron Corbin was just a stand-in until Kurt Angle came back from vacation. When he lost to Drew McIntyre, he didn't lose his spot. He just lost his spot on the captain of the Raw team, as far as I remember. As far as I remember, that's all that was. It wasn't you lose your spot for the captain of the Raw team if you lose, and you can never be general manager again. It was, look, you're not going to be the captain of the Raw team. If I'm wrong, obviously someone's going to let me know. Uh, Next, yeah, so we're lost on Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle. Okay, fuck it. So lights go out and your first thought is, um, is Bray Wyatt back now? I mean, look, that was my first thought because the night before they showed that Starcade one hour special and it was very possible, very fucking possible. Bray Wyatt was coming back. Uh, guitar hits. It's Elias. Hello. I'm Elias. Cause he has a lisp. Hello. I'm Elias. And of course the crowd pops. I popped. It's still Elias. He's still good. So he shit talks everyone. Um, Calls Bobby Trashley, you know, whatever, so on and so forth. And then goes down to the ring and has a match with Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley loses one, two, three. Um, No, I'm sorry. No, Bobby Lashley loses because Leo Rush pulls out the ref when he was counting the one, two, three. And the ref calls for a DQ. Baron Corbin goes, no, 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 no. I forgot to say that this is a no disqualification match because Elias interrupted me. So on and so forth. They proceed to completely beat the ever-loving shit out of Elias. All three men. So it's McIntyre, Corbin, and Lashley. Um, Lashley then pins him by posing and putting his knee over him. Uh, No one comes out to help Elias. It's a running theme, I guess. Um, Next segment is Corbin backstage firing a dude for turning off the lights for Elias. Uh, apparently, you know, that one guy, he's a nerd. Do we got to get rid of him? So Alexa Bliss comes up and she's like, look, I love everything that you're doing. I think it's wonderful. And if there's anything you need, I'll be glad to help. Because in the first segment, Corbin says, you're either going to be on the right side of history or the wrong side of history. So Alexis wants to be on the right side. And he goes, you know what would be awesome? You running the women's division completely, the total women's division. And everyone's like, 
And she's like, okay. And then the commentary team's like, what the fuck? She's an act. Oh, my son of a bitch. She's an active wrestler. That's a great thing. Baron Corbin needs help. He's being proactive. Michael Cole, blah, 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 blah. Um, Baron Corbin's an active wrestler, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they don't have a problem with him doing it, but they have a problem with Alexa doing it. So apparently, you know, pick and choose your fucking battles, I guess. That being said, everyone's like, oh, this is might get, you know, when Corbin loses at TLC, this is going to be the way to put Alexa into the general manager role because we're worried about her. She has all these concussions. Well, photos have come out recently today, I believe, uh, of sh- showing her working out, trying to get back in the ring. So it's very possible that that doesn't happen. Maybe she's finally passed the concussion protocols. Let's hope, man, because... You know, yes, her strong suit is definitely more mic work than it is in ring work, but it is fucking wonderful to watch Alexa Bliss in the wrestling ring because she does have good matches. She had a great match with Ronda Rousey. You know, it's it's not like she sucks in the ring, so I definitely want to see her as much as possible. Uh, after that, Revival comes out to the ring talking about how Lucha House Party is, you know, there's... Throwing everything to the wind. There's Lucha House rules where it's three on one. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. And that that, that should not be against them. This is a heel tag team. Okay. Talking about how the rules are constantly going against them for the other team to win. And it's not, they're right. It's not fair. There's no, it's, it's so weird. It is, it's, it's not like the heel tag team is being taken advantage of by the face tag team and not the other way around. I don't know. I understand that face and heel is a weird term in um, wrestling right now. I get it. You know, Bullet Club was supposed to be this heel faction, but was the coolest fucking thing in a long time. Similar to how Austin at one point was supposed to be a bad guy, but everyone got behind him because he was the coolest fucking thing ever. And man, I want to speak to my boss like that. But you can't, I get that Daniel Bryan still gets yes chance, right? Even when AJ's cutting a promo against him on SmackDown. But it doesn't make sense to where you give logic and understanding um, to the heel people as to why they're being screwed over. You know, not just complaining, not whining. No, there's a real, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're getting screwed over. There's, the audience will have empathy and sympathy for the heel tag team rather than the face team. Because what you're saying is correct. So they say they just want a regular two-on-two tag team the way it should be. They get in the ring and it's announced, Lucha House rules again. And I guess, look, in Mexico, you don't have to do the whole tag in, but in, you know, you're supposed to, at least in WWE, I guess, unless that's Lucha House rules. Step out of the ring, you're in. Step out of the ring, next person in. And God damn it, did they go. And again, it looks like, the revival are being treated like shit. Not given a shit about Corey Graves on commentary goes, yeah, Baron Corbin didn't uh, okay this. Well, who the fuck else is running raw? If your general manager is not okay with what's going on in the ring, why the fuck is it still going on? But it did because Lord knows that makes all the fucking sense in the world. Um, so yeah, Revival loses. Lucha House Party wins again for a Lucha House Rules match. Up next is a, I want to say, long 
and I'm going to say long, a long Nia Jax promo about why Ronda Rousey isn't the greatest women's champion or isn't uh, a great women's champion is Nia Jax showing video packages of shit she did to Ronda months ago, which apparently affects her now in that fight with Charlotte. And she just starts an imitation of Ronda Rousey and it was horrible. And Nia was still talking. And when not look, I'm one of those fucking people that when I watch something, I watch, I don't fast forward this shit. I don't, I don't move. I'm like, look, I can't have a fucking opinion unless I fucking know. Um, and yes, it's very correct. People on Periscope, it was like a bad stand-up comedy. And it was. I'm sorry. It it was horrible. It was, yes, you're right. Bad stand-up fucking comedy. Um, so Rhonda comes out. All smiles, all happy, all dysentery on the side of her face. Shit fuck weird makeup again. WWE, I, I, I really hope that's her wanting that and not WWE saying, you should do this because this looks good. But... If we know anything about this episode of Raw, it was probably WWE going, you know what? You should do this. This looks good. So Rhonda comes out and she goes, I'm not one to back down from anything. As a matter of fact, we can fight right now. And Nia Jack's like, oh, I'm still cleaning the crust of Becky Lynch's blood off of my fist. So I, I can't fight tonight. And she's like, what are you talking about? You're just, you know, stupid. She goes, well, I'm really just delaying. And Tamina's now behind Rhonda. Because Tamina was in the ring, uh, if you didn't notice that at first, because she didn't say a fucking word. You know, every now and then the camera did a little wide angle rather than on Naya. And then you're like, hey, Tamina, where'd Tamina go? You know, so she was just in the ring. Natty's music hits and she charges down the ring. And out of nowhere, the riot squad beat the shit out of fucking Natty. Uh, Ronda Rousey chases them all off. And Tamina and Naya are just standing in the ring looking down at them. Riot squad on the ramp. Five heels. Two faces. No one did anything else. Now let's talk about this segment. Look, I can shit talk the Naya promo till I'm blue in the face. Everyone has. It's not good. It was not wonderful. It was bad mic work. She is strangely a much better face as a promo than she is a heel. But she is... Built to be a heel, to be dominating, to beat the sh- fucking shit out of everyone that crosses her. And she needs that. She fucking needs that. But she's to talk. She needs the face promo. She was good. It wasn't horrible. You didn't hate listening to Nia Jax on the mic. But again, she's turning like Big Show right now. Just flip-flopping, flip-flopping. My concern with this is the Ronda Rousey situation. Ronda Rousey got her ass beat. Uh... Eight nights before this by Char- by Charlotte Flair. She comes out the next night on Raw. She goes, well, I'm, I'm willing to fight. And she fought and she won. Now she's just walking around all smiling. Nothing's really injured. Nothing's really putting on. But yet she's still a shit-talking Charlotte Flair. But what did, she, what did Charlotte Flair really do other than kick your ass, partially beat you up one night and leave you stunned for a second? You know? Um... This is not a situation to where we feel like Charlotte did any damage anymore. It's kind of, yeah, they can keep showing all these still photos of a kendo stick going into 
Rousey's stomach and her stepping on the chair, you know, stomping on the chair and stuff. And Ronda, yeah, it's so hurt. But Ronda herself, after the match, and this is not from her, this is obviously from WWE, Ronda herself are not, is not really selling these injuries, man. Dude, fucking Rey Mysterio had a goddamn neck brace on SmackDown and in Starcade a week after what Randy Orton did to him. And that was nowhere near as bad as what Charlotte did to Ronda. But she comes out, no bandages, just kind of dysentery, bruising, if that's what they were trying to make it be. You know, I mean, yeah, she had this, you know, scratches and shit from the Kendall stick, but what, what the fuck, man? What in the actual fuck? This is, it's eight days later and she's ready to go for another fucking match, let alone a title match against Nia Jax. That's not so much we're making Ronda a badass as we're making Charlotte look kind of weak, you know, at least in my, again, my fucking opinion. And it's my fucking opinion. And that's what the fuck I'm saying. But anyway, it's fucking dumb. You make, you're making your, one of your top fucking stars, right? Look like they were just there. Like it was there for a moment, you know? And we'll get into more about Charlotte Flair when we talk about fucking SmackDown. But again, it's a situation to where it's, it's not doing anything good for the other. Like why would Ronda really care about that being when eight days later, the next fucking day, even she's like, whatever I can fight. Let's go. You know? Yeah. It hurt. It sucks. You know, I've, I've never once in my life as a kid who has gotten hit and beat up and every now and then when I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't give a fuck. It's over after that. If I, if it doesn't affect me any more than that fucking moment, I, I've never cared. I've never been like, oh, I gotta get fucking revenge. No, if they fucked me up and I, it was a good fight or something like that or something to along those lines and I lost, okay, I just lost. But fuck, man, that was a beating. And she's just like, ah, I'm angry, but I'm not really hurt. So whatever. I'm around to Rousey and she's fucking, fucking stupid. Whatever. On to the next. Oh, man. Um, Fuck, man. So, <laughs> AOP, P, AO urine, ah, uh, authors of P, piss, authors of piss, Drake Pissfrick, whatever you want to call them, uh, was the next segment because Bobby Roode and Chad Gable got another, got a title shot because they beat AOP last week. And so this week they got a title shot for the Raw Tag Team titles. Bobby Roode throws his robe over as he always does when the match is about to start. And Drake Maverick takes it. And at times he's putting it on. And he has it on the side and he's walking around. And it, it affected Bobby Roode at first for a little bit. He's like, oh, ah, you got my robe. Oh, shit, I got hit. Right? But he's in a raw tag team title match. And he's just there. And then Drake starts going up the ramp. And he's looking at it again. Oh, I got hit again, son of a bitch. You know, this is really good distraction by Drake. Well, then all of a sudden, there's a fucking video package. Right there on the Tron. Drake Maverick in a bathroom, looking at how good he looks in the robe. Then he takes the robe off, puts it on, lays it on the toilet. All right, just lays it on the toilet. Stomps it into the toilet water. And we all know what's coming next because Drake Maverick's new gimmick is... Is... 
All about the P. He's down with OPP. He knows he. So he fucking stomps it into the toilet. Camera goes under his legs. And we see a nice little stream going on to the robe of the glorious Bobby Roode. One of these $10,000 robes. And he's like, what? AOP hit their finisher on him. Boom, one, two, three. Match is over. Um, what in the actual fuck? The, when you think that WWE can't get any worse, every time you think that they're like, okay, we got to stay away from this type of gimmick because this type of gimmick is stupid and will lose people. I, I Okay, I get him peeing his pants. And I even get, uh, I heard it was a shoot piss because the fucking gadget wasn't working. So he had to pee his pants for real, right? And then I get the next day making fun of him. But what is the purpose of Drake Maverick? What, you know, we have talked at length about hype man Leo Rush. You know, Joe never understood why Bobby Lashley was taking any orders from him. And we're all like, well, he's not really taking orders from him. He's a hype man. He literally just talked about how great Lashley is. <laughs> Lashley, you know, the man right here. You know, uh, look at that physique. Look at his ass bending over in front of me. You know, the, Bob, the Leo Rush stuff. AOP is supposed to be this huge fucking tag team. This big fucking behemoth oh look at how big we are and yeah we fucking ran through and had amazing matches on nxt but now we're in wwe and yes they they i feel that they are a team that brings legitimacy to the tag team titles i'm not knocking that i feel them being champions is a great uh jump start to the raw tag team division and would love to see something against them and revival because we saw that in nxt i would love to see something like that but to take Orders from a dude that one pissed himself because he was so scared. Like that was the fucking, you know, reasoning why he did it. He lost all bodily function because he was so afraid of Big Show. Man, two fucking behemoths behind you. You should not have been that afraid of Big Show. Um, and then two to keep this going with him in the bathroom and peeing on somebody's robe is. Just elongating a situation that no one really cares about. Yeah, it was funny. Ha! He peed his pants in the first in on Survivor Series, and then it was funny to mock him the next day for Raw. But now they're keeping the pee going in not a joking way. Like he pissed on fucking Bobby Roode's robe. You know, um, I don't know. It's a situation to where WWE should have let that die. After last week, you know, or with the promo this week, I'm okay. If you, the Drake Maverick promos are what you want to mock me and everything. So now you got to face these guys. Cool. Whatever. Doing his bidding. But again, why are they doing his bidding? This dude just pisses his pants. That's all he does. He gets so scared. He pisses his pants around you. It's not like Big Show caught him in the back and you got, and Akam and Razor weren't around. It was a fucking tag match on Survivor Series. They're in the goddamn ring right there. And he's like, mom, look at me. I'm peeing. It's it. Why would these two large guys fucking still take orders from him or still let him manage them? It doesn't make any sense. And WWE is going with it and continuing to be like, now nah, I'm going to be petty. Uh, Tom Petty piss right here. No, it's fucking dumb. Shouldn't have happened. I'm fucking annoyed. This is where Raw is really losing me as well as obviously 19% of their viewers throughout the fucking night. 
Next match, uh, Ember Moon with Alicia Fox and <laughs> Braun Strowman is no longer in Mixed Match Challenge. So, to get Ember out of Mixed Match Challenge, they give her Kurt Hawkins. You already know where this is going. Kurt Hawkins' first win is not going to be a Mixed Match Challenge win, right? If can, Anyway, period, they lost a Mixed Match Challenge because of Kurt Hawkins. But Ember wins, and Kurt's on the side of the on, on the ring with her. He, she beats Alicia Fox because again, it's Jinder and Alicia versus Kurt Hawkins and Ember Moon on mixed match challenge the next night in the playoff bracket. Remember, the person who wins mixed mixed match challenge, uh, they're number thirty in their respective Royal Rumbles. Right, that's nothing they really advertise a lot in the beginning of it, but somehow is a huge thing now. And again, I agree. I think it's a great thing. I think. You know, these whoever wins this goes in at number 30. That's fine by me. You know, it probably would have been really cool if it was Ember and Braun. That would have made a lot of sense. But Braun got injured and his elbow, uh, you know. Congratulations, he had successful elbow surgery today. Wish a speedy recovery to Braun Strowman. But, so now, Kurt Hawkins, Ember wins in the ring, and Kurt's jumping around like he just fucking won finally. And look... I'm off. I love Kurt Hawkins. I think that Kurt Hawkins and his losing streak is a spectacularly amazing thing. He is getting losing 200 and what do you say? 36 times, probably 237 now. He's getting a losing streak of two years over, right? That's, that's a losing streak. Most of the time we're like, oh, this person keeps losing. They're just fucking burying him. Kurt Hawkins is like, uh, you can't bury me because really what it is is I walk on, uh, I, I just stand. I can get out of quicksand. So I'm fine. I'm great. I'm Kurt fucking Hawkins. I'm an edgehead. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you are. So I'm all down for Kurt Hawkins. And then No Way Jose's music hits because No Way Jose has a match against Jinder Mahal. And of course, Kurt Hawkins and Ember Moon, Kurt brings Ember into the conga line and they conga along. And that's amazing. And No Way Jose is back on Raw for the first time in damn near six months. I think it was July, if I'm not mistaken. A July episode of Raw where you saw No Way Jose. But after that, everyone was like, hey, uh, do we want Jose on the show tonight? And Vince was like, no way. See what I did there? That was a horrible joke. Anyway, but still better than Nia Jax promo. Ah. So, No Way Jose comes and uh, Jinder Mahal, master of the chin lock, master of the headlock, which was shown throughout this match, keeps Jose grounded and eventually gets the win. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand the purpose of Jose's call-up. When they first called him up, my first thought was, why is, uh, yeah, sweet, but what the fuck is he doing up here? He's a better Adam Rose. I'll give you that. But it's like they called him up just to shit on him. And yeah, you can say that happens with every NXT call-up, but it's not true. Um, You know, yes, Joe hasn't had a title, but he's still been a main part of shows. Finn Balor was the first ever Universal Champion uh, the shoulder fucked him. You know, AOP now are, do have the tag team titles. You know, it's, they're not completely shitting on any, everybody. Look, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair. You know, the women of NXT are really thriving in WWE, but most of the men do not, you know, and that's, it's sad, but I mean, outside of the Shield, you know, Shield is thriving, you know. Um, I guess Cesaro was kind of an NXT call-up. 
Uh, he's doing really well. If maybe kind of, uh, if you want a technical call up, yes, he had his first, you know, his match on, you know, Kevin Owens had a great run with the universal title injured right now. Sami Zayn seemed like he was about to go somewhere until he was injured. And look, that's, I don't blame WWE for the Bobby Lashley, Sami Zayn storyline because Sami was injured with two fucking fucked up shoulders. So he kind of could only talk. There couldn't be a lot of physicality in that buildup for that feud. But again, either way, uh, some people are floundering. Some people are doing well. I don't want to say that the call up from NXT is an automatic death sentence on you as a performer, but I do say, I do want to say that a call up from NXT for no reason from a mid card guy is a death sentence because look at Jose, look at Adam Rose, you know, any of these guys that weren't really much dude, if you want to talk about it, the only person who was not much in NXT that is a huge thing on WWE is Elias. Elias in fucking NXT was horrible. Elias on Raw is amazing. Both heel and face. Wonderful. Um, So yeah, no way Jose lost to Jinder Mahal. Up next was the Intercontinental Championship match that I was talking about, the Open Challenge. Uh, again, the saving grace of Raw right here, regardless of how many times we've seen it. Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins, put on a fucking amazing match that ended with the Falcon arrow, um, getting the one, two, three spectacular. Uh, after that was the open forum. Alexa bliss was, uh, had a backstage segment with Bailey and Sasha to which Bailey mentioned that this is your life segment. Oh God. Why man, why do they have to bring that back? Anyway, they mentioned it and the open forum was they would take a question from people in the audience so the WWE universe can get to know Sasha and Bailey better. The first question that the person asked is what would you do to make the women's division better? Bailey gave a very uh PC answer. I love the women's division. I love being a part of it. I love what we're doing. I love how we're making everything, you know, we're doing first firsts here and there, so on and so forth. Uh I love it. Sasha Banks is like, well, not to disagree with you, but I would send Alexa Bliss back to SmackDown. Yeah, I'm going to burn Alexa Bliss. Cool. <clears throat> then Bailey was like, well, not to disagree with you, Sasha, but I would send her back to hell. Yeah, double burn. Ooh, ooh. God, that was bad. Um... Alexa's like, are you, when Sasha said it, she's like, are you talking about me? Are you talking about Bailey? Because I know that there's some bend of dissension. Bailey's been holding you down. You used to be Raw Women's Champion, so on and so forth. And then there was the burn by Bailey, and all of a sudden, from the back, they were attacked by, you know, those ladies, Mickey James, Alicia Fox, and that other major heel, Dana Brooke. What? Hold on. Leisha Fox, longtime standee of Alexa Bliss. Mickey James, longtime friend of Alexa Bliss, both heels. Dana Brooke. What? Dana Brooke, if you watched it the night before, and I don't know why you would, but you could have. They did Starcade on Saturday. They showed it on the network on Sunday. Dana Brooke fucking teamed with Bailey and Sasha Banks. All of a sudden, she's a fucking heel and attacking them out of nowhere. Why? Why, Dana? Why? Sure, hope we get that promo next week. But as right now, why the fuck did she turn? 
It's not like she came out to help them and then turned and was like, yeah, I'm rolling with the general manager. Dude, who are your faces on Raw right now for women? Natty? Rhonda? Sasha? Bailey? Okay. The heels. I'm going to use her because she, technically she's not done wrestling yet. Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, Alicia Fox, Dana Brooke, Tamina, Nia Jax, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan. That is nine. Nine heels. Nine. Not like German talk. Nine, nine, nine. No, nine. The number numero nine. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve. I think I went far enough. I don't know. Uh, fucking nine heels. Nine female heels versus four female faces. What? The fuck? I, I, I can't. I, I can't wrap my head why everyone's turning heel right now. Everyone. Ambrose. Heel. You know, had to turn him heel. Uh, fucking, you know, uh, Leo Rush. Heel. Drake Maverick. Face on fucking 205 Live or neutral. Heel. On Raw. You know. Like, your only mainstays of face wrestlers right now are Seth and Finn. Like, Elias turned. You know, we've been wanting that, but he finally turned. Uh... That, that's dude like there's why was raw so bad because raw doesn't have anything any sort of fucking dynamic between people right now there's no build for feuds there's no um situations where people are like oh this makes sense to build like at least on smackdown with right they started two new feuds this week it wasn't a great smackdown either it was a meh mediocre smackdown but it wasn't the drizzling fucking shits raw was raw has such a horrible dynamic of let's just beat the shit out of all of our faces consistently constantly to where it's authority versus the faces and the problem is there's just not like the only face that's not involved in an authority angle is fucking seth rollins right now but he was for months until roman got cancer so now after that was the match between baron corbin and Finn Balor, and of course, there's some, woo, it was a handicap match, you forgot to mention, I don't know if you guys know this or not, Baron Corbin never, ever remembers to mention anything that's going on with the match right away, he always forgets, right, and look, I get that, for a heel general manager, for a heel authority figure, that works every now and then, But it has to be every now and then. He literally fucking did this at the beginning of the show and again at the end of the show. And you're like, what? It's it's too blatant enough to where it's annoying. It's not like anyone can get any type of leeway in. You know, there's everyone's getting beat up by a bunch of people. So no one can really have any type of fight back. But we're supposed to somehow buy into these guys and cheer for our faces, uh, the, the face, cheer for the good guys. Why? Why? Everyone's getting beat up. No one gives a shit about the other person. Balor got his ass beat by all these guys at the same time. No one helped him. Elias got his ass beat by all these guys at the same time. No one helped him. You know? It's 
Raw is becoming the drizzling shits right now because Raw is – they're killing their stars. They're killing them. They're making them look super weak. They're, make, they're making them look like they have no fucking chance in hell. Pardon the pun. To do anything. There's no way you can beat a Baron Corbin situation. There's an angle. There's no way you could beat him because he's just always going to bring these other people in. This is your build for TLC, man. This is it. Right here. This is your only announced match right now is Ronda versus Nia, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to go look right now just to make sure I'm not mistaken. The Raw side. Nia versus Ronda as I believe is your only announced match right now for T. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins for the intercontinental belt is also announced. That is correct. Glad I corrected myself. Um, so yeah, raw side is the IC title match. Seth versus Dean, uh, Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman and Ronda versus Nia. Who fucking cares about any of those matches? I don't care about Ronda and Nia. After that fucking Dean Ambrose promo where he's getting his a shots in his ass and everything. After Braun was already in the medical fucking room. It's... I, I don't care. I, I really don't. They're... It was a that was a weird Dean Ambrose promo. It was a situation to where you can't make me want to watch this. This TLC pay per view is coming off a weird Survivor Series pay per view, like you saw what they were trying to do by making Raw six and zero, seven and zero because they fucked up. But it's a situation to where it is everyone. Most people left Survivor Series. Outside of those last two matches, outside of Ronda and Charlotte, outside of Braun and Daniel Bryan, I mean Brock and Daniel Bryan, most people had a bad taste about Survivor Series in their mouth. The men's elimination match was fucking wonky and weird. The women's elimination match, you know, got down to just Nia to show how strong she was. You know, your best match was your pre-show match, which seems to happen a lot for WWE on their cards. Most people left Survivor Series going, outside of those last two matches... This was a fucking horrible pay-per-view. This was a bad pay-per-view. Um, Pro Wrestling Scorecards commented on our Periscope. Uh, this is going to be a scorecards make it better PPV for sure. And they're right. That's why we love using our Pro Wrestling Scorecards. Because for sure, anything we go into the, with these fucking pay-per-views like, ugh, I gotta fucking watch this. At least there's a sense of competition involved in that with the scorecards. So obviously, they're fucking phenomenal. That being said... TLC is 100% coming, go, starting to look like a shit pay-per-view. Granted, they have a couple weeks to build up to this. This pay-per-view is 17 days away. It's December 16th, right? So they could pull it out of their ass and make something. But with the way this Raw was and how mediocre SmackDown is following it, this is not looking like it's going to be any type of spectacular fucking pay-per-view TLC. Um, now we'll go into SmackDown and we'll talk a little bit about SmackDown. I, look, obviously we have the Periscope. If you're watching the Periscope, if you're on there, 
you can comment on our video feed. Let us know what you thought of Raw. At the same time, if you are on, if you're listening live on the Podcast Detroit app, you can go to our Twitter at BDRcast. I almost gave the Pro Wrestling Scorecard one again. At BDRcast, you can give and uh, leave us a comment on there. Let us know what you think. Uh, use the hashtag HeyBDR. That's H-E-Y. Like, you know, hey, yo. But instead you're going, hey, BDR. You know, because that's what you should do. Uh, you do that. And I'll see what I can do about commenting back to everyone who had made mention to all that. That being said, let's get into SmackDown. Um, Becky comes out first. And the crowd explodes. And she says she's back and she's ready to fight. And that's awesome. Side note, again, Becky took one fucking punch and was off of TV for a little while. Um, I will say that they said that she was on Survivor Series, and I don't remember seeing Becky on Survivor Series. I know she was on the SmackDown before Survivor Series. I don't remember seeing her on Survivor Series, pre-show or not. Maybe she was a panel guest. I don't know. Whatever. I don't remember seeing her at Survivor Series. It seemed like they were trying to get away from Becky on Survivor Series. And obviously she wasn't on the following SmackDown, which was last week. So she missed Survivor Series. She, she basically missed two weeks, right? So she comes back, she goes, she's ready to fight, and she wants a match. And she wants to talk about Charlotte. And Charlotte comes down, and she tells Charlotte, well, I told you to give her the beating I wanted you to give her, and you didn't. You lost. You know, you you beat her up. Yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I would have got the one, two, three. And it starts a little fight again between Charlotte and Becky in, in the opposite way of what it was before where they were trying to get Becky over as a heel, but she was a face. So you're trying to get... Charlotte over as a face, but she was a heel. Now it's like, no, Becky's a face and Charlotte's the heel. Look at Charlotte's attitude. Oh, woo, she's the queen. And what about the hug two weeks ago? Like, she didn't just so, oh, beat her up the way I would beat her up and shake her hand. She said that and then fucking gave her a hug. Like a hug on national television to to symbol like, oh, look, we're back in our good graces. And... Now it's gone. There's no fucking camaraderie there anymore. Now they're just going to fight again. And because of the arguing that they're doing in the ring, Paige is like, ah, right. So you're going to get another shot at Becky at TLC. Okay, cool. Well, Mandy Rose comes out with a horde of people and says, we're sick of you giving your old PCB teammates all of the opportunities. We don't get any of the opportunities. Uh, we could have done just what Sh- Charlotte Flair did to Ronda Rousey. Any one of us could have done that. Uh, Naomi comes out and she's like, oh, I hate to agree. And then the crowd just blows up going, Asuka, Asuka, Asuka. That was sweet. Um, but says, yeah, she's right. They Anyone could have done that. They want opportunities as well. So Paige says, look, here we go. All of you women are going to be involved in a battle royal, and the winner of the battle royal is going to be added to this match at TLC because it'll be the first ever triple threat women's TLC match at this month's, at December's TLC pay-per-view. Cool. I guess we got to get some, someone else in there again for some reason with this. Uh, it was Carmelo before. Now it's whoever's going to win this match because... Lord knows, whoever wins this match is probably going to be the one to take the pinfall. <laughs> or maybe. I'll get into that later. Uh, Usos then beat the bar uh, in a tag team match where I guess that 
means the Usos are the number one contenders to the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Before that, though, Cesaro was shit-talking Big Show to his face, pulled his strap, Big Show, knockout punch. Look, Big Show turns more than a fucking Olympic figure skater spins, okay? Big Show is never going to be a face. He's never going to be a heel. He's just going to be Big Show. He's a name. He's recognized. Don't take whatever he does seriously ever. Big Show does what Big Show wants. And look, I'm okay with that to an extent. But you just got this fucking stable over with him in there. And then you turned it. Like, you didn't even give it legs. Like, you're like, oh, look at this. Big Show is going to help the bar. And the bar, yeah. And then they get their ass beat in a fucking Thanksgiving feast, uh, feast match. A feast fight is what they called it. And they're all pissed off at him for not being the more there after he was beat up as well. Okay. So the bar loses to the Usos. So I guess the Usos more than likely are going to be taking on the bar at TLC for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships in a pre-show match. Up next, AJ Styles comes to the ring and cuts a promo. And man, this, at first there was a lot of AJ Styles chants, but man, then there were a lot of yes chants as well. And it just goes back to the old adage of that people are going to cheer for who they fucking want to cheer for. And people wanted Daniel Bryan to get that title. And Daniel Bryan got that title. And when he got that title, the people were fucking happy. And because the people were happy, they're going to cheer for him. No matter what he does, like, it was a low blow to get that. He did a low blow against Brock Lesnar. They don't like Brock Lesnar. They wanted him to get the title. So far, the two things Daniel Bryan has done, even the fucking promo where he's new Daniel Bryan last week, it, it's nothing that where it's heelish yet. You know, it's nothing to wear, make anybody. He's the, He was the most overface. Yes, a little bit getting stale, but still he was the most overface before Becky. In WWE. Period. Most over. So the fans are still going to cheer for him. So AJ Styles cutting a great promo. I was at the live events this week. I'm here on SmackDown this week. Seems like He's taking a little bit from the raw side and just disappearing. Nice little shot at Brock Lesnar again. And he goes, but I'll be, as long as he's there at TLC and he's going to win back his title. I love the emoting of how he was talking about the, um, uh, what is it? The, um, 14 days that he hasn't had the title. He's saying 14 days. I haven't had the title. Uh, feels longer than the 371 that I had it. AJ just cuts a good promo, and I hope he resigns next month because that's the talk is uh, his contract is up in the end of December, and so he might be leaving, possibly retiring. I don't, look, it's possibly could. He could have another year or two left. He could go to the Indies. I would like... I personally would like him to stay on WWE because I love a lot of the promos, especially the WWE 2K19 stuff where they, you know, where he said that a guy who they thought couldn't prove that he could, you know, it, I like AJ Styles. I've always liked AJ Styles and I think him being in WWE, maybe even a little bit less dates because again, I think the dude's like 41 or 42. 
a little bit less dates, maybe not a championship run, maybe a championship run. I don't know. Uh, I would like to see AJ stay because I think the company treats him well. And he's one of the few outside acts, non WWE built acts that the WWE has gotten behind. And I think that's amazing. And I would love to see him stay with that company and keep pushing it forward. Because again, I like AJ Styles. I've liked him since he was in TNA. And I feel like this is the best outlet for him. I feel that way. AJ could not. And that's fine. I get it. I would do every everything he should do is specifically he should just do exactly what's best for him. I would hope that WWE staying in WWE is best for AJ Styles because I think it is definitely best for the WWE universe, the people watching the show. It would be great. Um, up next, it's going to be a match. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev. Before the match even got off, Shinsuke beat the shit out of Rusev. Hit him with a knee in the back of the head. Uh, fucked him up. Match never got, never went off. Great. It is a feud for the United States Championship. I am really hoping they're putting some money into. That's great. Finally, something for the U.S. title holder to do. Something for Shinsuke. Something for Rusev. Maybe a title change. I'm not going to say they're going to do it because who knows. But it's something to go, something to build upon. That hopefully Randy Orton doesn't come and RKO the fucking shit out of fucking Rusev because anyone who touches Shinsuke, uh, he's got beat up. Um, up next after that was the Jeff Hardy 20-year anniversary of being in WWE first signing. In the ring was the picture of Matt and him, then the, him holding the WWE when he won the WWE championship, and then the fo- uh, more recent photo of him. And they showed all of his accolades and things that he's done in his career in WWE. It was a great little video package, way more intense than I thought it was going to be. Everyone on the stage and stuff, everyone except Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe comes out onto the ramp and proceeds to cut a vicious promo on Jeff Hardy, talking about his battles, his demons with substance abuse and everything like that in the past. Man, it was so good. Shane trying to get the fucking microphone away from him. Uh, Joe just talking and stuff like that. Threatening to, you know, beat him up. Jeff Hardy's like, come on, we can fight right now. Smells like, nah. Takes off. It was, look, man. Hopefully a good feud that they can get, uh, they can sink their teeth into with Joe and Jeff. I would like to see that. Um, I can honestly say that when Jeff was in TNA, as champion as I really wasn't watching that much. It took the final, it, it took the final deletion broken Matt Hardy to get me back into TNA after all the aces and eight stuff. I just kind of went away from it. So I don't know if Je- Jeff and Joe had a great little set of matches there in TNA. I'm going to assume they probably did or I assume they at least had matches. I don't know if they were a great little set. But it's something that I would like to see in WWE, especially because Joe just, I love how they're allowing him to shoot-esque promos, you know, talking about somebody's past, you know, AJ with the family stuff, you know, Jeff with his past substance abuse, things like that. I would love if that was kept up 
you know, Joe's promo style for these right now are just, it's just really good. I love Joe on the mic. I love Joe on the ring. I think Joe needs a good run at the title with the title, the WWE championship, universal championship, whatever. And he's, he needs a run with one of those titles, even for a little bit, even if it's a couple months, two or three months, I'd be okay with that. Just as long as I could say, wow, Joe held the top title in WWE. And I think he deserves it. I think he deserves it from his mic work, his in-ring work, just his overall demeanor persona. I, he definitely does. So the next match was Kofi Kingston versus the Miz because the Miz was angry that he, that the new day were watching him lose to some jobbers the week before. So he went to his best friend, Shane McMahon, two third, one third, the best in the world and said, Hey, you're my partner. You should give me a match. Shane gives him a match. Miz loses. Kofi beats him. A lot of bullshit from the New Day. Uh, a pancake turnbuckle pad that was never used after Miz pulled off the regular turnbuckle pad. Uh, leading to Miz going in the back going, Ah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Shane, we're supposed to, we're too, we are. We are tied together. This is our child in talking about the trophy. We need to be together. You should have support for me. And Shane's like, I, we're not. I'm, I can't. No. Miz is going back to his funny gimmick. It's okay. I like Miz better when he was a beast, when he was just spouting off at the mouth. But when he was spouting off at the mouth, he was had every right to at the time, too. You got to remember that. You know, IC belt wasn't being featured on pay-per-views, and he was on Talking Smack bitching about it left and right. And he had a reason to be angry. Now, Miz, I think that he's probably in line for a a um, face turn here in the future. Obviously, if Daniel Bryan's going to stay heel, they're kind of teeter-tottering with Miz as well. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Orton then comes out and cuts a promo about why he did what he did to uh, Ray Mysterio. Ra 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 blah 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 blah. He's you know. I don't care about this mask. I didn't take the time to Google it. I just I just didn't like it, so I got rid of it. Blah blah blah. Mysterio comes out with a neck brace. You know, selling injuries from a week before. Um, Mysterio comes out in neck brace. Seems like he's gonna do something against Orton. Obviously, he doesn't. Orton gets the best of him at the end of it. Now we get into the battle royal. Um, man, a lot of people praise this battle royal. I like the ending of it. I like uh, who went over. What I don't like was how it ended. And I'll ex- let me explain. So the battle royal consisted of all of all of the women that weren't Becky Lynch and Charlotte, uh, Lana, the Iconics, Naomi. Asuka, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, uh, other people, <laughs> Carmella. The last four people in the match uh, were Mandy Rose, Naomi, Sonya Deville, and Asuka. I believe I have that right. Um, Yeah. Manny Rose and Naomi go to the outside of the ring. Uh, they're on the apron, dangling. Uh, eventually, Mandy goes, charges Naomi. Naomi moves out of the way. She hits the ring post from the again, all on the apron, and she hits the ring post and she falls out. And then 
Sonya, I believe, knocks Naomi off the apron. They're both eliminated. Um, then the exact same fucking thing happened again with Sonya Deville and Asuka. Asuka won because Sonya went for something and Asuka hit her with a move, you know, which knocked her to the ground. And it, look, I love the fact that Asuka's inserted into this, and I'll go into that in a second. But this match, the last two things, the last four eliminations, last three eliminations were the same fucking way. Two, two people go to the outside. One does something that gets countered. They go out. Then that person got knocked off. The, next, the last two go to the outside. Sony does something that gets countered by Asuka. She goes off. Asuka wins. Why? You have a battle. You couldn't have come up with something different? Anything different for either of that? For the last four? <clears throat> Stupid. It's fucking dumb. You have writers and agents and, produ- and producers and people that put these fucking things together. And no one said, you know... That seems very familiar. Seems like we did that before. Oh yeah? When? Just now. Oh. Okay. Well, we're going to keep it. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. What? Why? What? Why? I thought it was a dumb way to end that match. I like the le- I like that Sonya Deville was the, one of the final entrants. I like that I, she needs some sort of push. I believe that she could be a beast on the SmackDown. Way. I, I believe she could be a beast in the women's division, especially putting her up against Rousey. Once Rousey gets a loss, so Sonya can actually take it to her and give her a couple win- and get a couple wins over Rousey. That being said, Asuka winning this changes things. It's very possible that this title comes off of Becky. Very possible. And while the fans will fucking hate it, I think it might be great. Because if there is Ronda versus Charlotte at the Rumble, right? You could get Ronda versus Becky if Becky goes into the Women's Royal Rumble and wins. And then challenges Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. So I'm not totally upset if Becky loses the belt. As long as if she's the first person to give Ronda a loss. Woo! That would be beautiful. I would love that. I think it's a great way to build that. I think it works on so many levels. If you take that belt off of Becky... She goes for her rematch at some point on SmackDown, loses because of something else. Um, Because I honestly think it's going, it's TLC, then Rumble, if I'm not mistaken. Rumble's the end, yeah, about a month and a half build, because it's January 27th. So if that's the case, if they go, Becky loses at TLC, be it Charlotte pins Asuka, or Asuka takes the belt, I think it makes more sense, to maybe Asuka takes the belt. Because if Asuka takes the belt, then she's fighting someone else. She could be fighting someone else at Rumble while Charlotte fights Ronda. That takes Asuka out of the Rumble. It takes Charlotte out of the Rumble. It takes Ronda out of the Asuka would be out because of the title. So Ronda would be out because of the title. But Charlotte would take on 
Ronda, someone else would then step out of the Rumble to take on Asuka, possibly Naomi. I don't know. Uh, they're friends. You can see a turn there. But you're not hurting Asuka or Charlotte by having them out of the Rumble and having them be eliminated because, you know, Asuka's the first Rumble winner, women's Royal Rumble winner. I could see that. I could see something. Like, and then Becky goes on to win and then moves to Raw to face Ronda. Yeah, I could see that. I, I'd be okay with that. If that's the way it plays, I'd be all, I'd be all right with that. Because I thought the Rumble should have played where Daniel Bryan won it finally and then faced Miz for the title at Mania. That obviously <laughs> nowhere near what happened. You know, because I thought AJ would at least carry it to the Rumble and then maybe he would have lost to Miz there and then, you know, either way. So I think SmackDown was better than Raw, but again, it's not very difficult to be better than Raw when you have that kind of Raw because that Raw was absolute shit. SmackDown was better, I guess. It was. <laughs> look, WWE, I, I'm the, look, on our show, I'm the one who has, who tries to be as realistic as possible, mo- tries to be as logical as possible with this. I like um, the idea of not feeling like WWE just hates us as a fan base and attacks us as a fan base. I like the idea that WWE does for the most part or, and by most part, I mean 51% of the time, at least gives a shit about its fans, what its fans want, what the fans, you know, when it's a strong enough situation, they will change their direction for us. Becky Lynch, you know, but the way Raw was put together and the way that, yeah, let's just stick with Raw. Because again, SmackDown wasn't great, but it wasn't this. It wasn't Raw. The way Raw was put together, an hour of Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin was featured for one third of your, you have a three hour program. Because remember, now they stop at 11 for USA specifically. No more overrun. Because uh, Monday Night Raw's Wars, we don't need it anymore. But an hour of Baron Corbin on your television. An hour. A peeing on the robe of Bobby Roode. Your commentary team sounding stupid. You literally made them sound stupid. Why is that? She's an active wrestler. She can't be a, a general manager of a women's division. But Baron Corbin can you know, I, I feel like Raw's fucked right now. And Raw's fucked because they based everything on Roman Reigns. Everything. 100% everything was on Roman Reigns. And for that, I feel like they are struggling to put anything together. WWE used to have 
a weekly program that continued what was happening from the week prior. If you watch it in back in the day, Attitude Era, Ruthless Aggression Era, all that stuff. If you watched an episode of Raw a month ago, you know, four weeks ago, and you watched, it continued. It didn't just throw things to the wayside like that. Yeah, it happened, but not as, at least to me, not as fucking prevalent as it is now. And that's weird to me. It really is. Because how are we supposed to follow and get behind things if there's no consistency to what we're watching? That's how television shows get canceled. Look, WWE is not going to get canceled. Monday Night Raw is going to go on for a very long time. So is SmackDown. But with ratings dropping like they are, fourth worst in the modern era, eighth worst turnover, um, the, uh, look at it again, the eighth uh, first to third hour percentage drop of all time. And okay, let me give you the dates for those because I didn't give anyone. The first one I did say was in 2017, October 23rd. Second one was a 22.78 drop in December 4th, 2017. 22.7 drop September 26th, 2016. Uh, 22.42 drop November 12th, 2018. Uh, 21.24 drop January 15th, 2018. Uh, December 18th, 2017 was a 19.94 drop. February 19th, 2018, 19.81 drop. Then, of course, yesterday's Raw, um, this week's Raw with a 19.18 drop. Uh, February 22nd, 2016, 19.16. And September 18th, 2017, a 18.92 drop. First hour to third hour, the amount of people that fucking left and stopped watching that. Not one of those numbers is before 2016. The earliest one is the 9th. It's February 22nd, 2016. Which means the WWE is losing more viewers in this year and a half, two years, two and a half, three years, now, from first hour to third hour, than they ever have, ever. That has to say something to you. That has to stick out that you are fucking something up. You are doing something wrong. Anything is possibly horrid. Look. I'm all for the WWE trying their best to get out of the hole they dug themselves in by basing everything on one person. Yes, it is an injury prone business. Nothing more so says that than the mixed match challenge and how many people had to leave because they were injured and how many things changed because of injuries. But this is a situation where you're building people up and then destroying it right away. You're not giving it time. Literally, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre are Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. Right? It's That's what it is. Granted, it had to change because of Roman, but so go away from it. Why do you need this? Why is Corbin got to be involved in this to the point where after he's going to fucking, uh, it looks like he's going to fucking wrestle again. 
look, I doubt WWE listens to my show, our show. I say my because no one else is here. I doubt WWE or anyone in WWE actually pays the fuck attention to breaking down the ring. But if you are, and you want to listen to a fan base, and listen to a fan who isn't going, oh, Vince McMahon is against the fans. Vince McMahon does this. It's what Vince wants. Vince gets. That's why Raw is fucked. No. Think of a storyline and build it through time. And by time, I'm not talking about a year. I get it. This is different now. The times have changed. You can't build year-long storylines, especially when now the product is available every fucking week, right? You can see it all the time. These superstars are everywhere. But build it. Set something up to where, okay, here's the arc. You have to have character arcs. If you're writing something, you can't just write week to week. Give a character an arc, even if it's for three months. Look, dude. Yes, we're all sick of Ziggler versus Seth Rollins, but look how great they worked together. Look how great that match was. It was a saving grace of the fucking thing you've seen a million goddamn times was the best thing about a show that you fucking hated. Build character arcs. Give it a timeline of stories. Try to make things make sense in the long run. Not just now, because right now nothing much makes sense on that show. You know, you can shit the Dean Am- shit the Dean Ambrose promo, fine, whatever. But that's at least something that's been building. That's a you know, a good example of what I'm talking about. Dolph Ziggler and everything he said before he came out to talk to take on Seth Rollins. Yes, makes sense. It was stuff that was built. But right now the majority of your show makes no fucking sense. Dana Brooke out of nowhere being a heel. Why is why did all of a sudden because of Survivor Series, Lashley, McIntyre, and Corbin are together. It, it a lot doesn't make sense, and I hope that it does uh, someday soon. Because look, man, we all we love it. Sometimes we love it a little too much. We're wrestling fans. We just hope that WWE gets something together. Because man, if there's a new promotion coming up, and you have your signees, like they just signed Walter, right? Walter goes specifically said, I don't want to go to Raw and SmackDown because I don't want to move. You can say it's because you don't want to move. He knows what's so. You look at the most of these people who go to Raw and SmackDown, it's not going to do well. But he's, he goes, I love the NXT brand. I'd do something with that. NXT UK, you're going to see Walter. Not Raw and SmackDown because the indie people look at it and go, ah, mm-mm. no, thank you. Hopefully we see something in the future. Hopefully something fixes with WWE because I love watching. I love this product. I love this. I love I love pro professional wrestling. I love sports entertainment, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't care. It's all when it's great, it is spectacular, wonderful television to watch. But when it's not, it's this week's raw. You know, it's bad. Again, I'm not going to say it's the worst raw in history. It's not. There have been some shit fuck raw. There was a raw this year that everyone was like, man, that was booked like a fucking shitty ass old school WCW end of times thing. You know? So it's definitely not. I don't think it was the worst raw of the year. It may have been. There's time will tell. 
on how bad this Raw was, but it was bad. That being said, I'm finishing up now. There's nothing much more to talk about. For a one-person show, I think I did all right. I think I didn't do too bad. I was worried about it. Um, all the bullshit aside of what, you know, the AIDS and everything like that. You know, just life during the holidays, man. Stuff adds up. So people got sick, couldn't make it. Uh, people, you know, stuff with work, stuff with family. I get it, man. But Joe, Smitty, Orlando, uh, Z, they're all still part of this show. Don't worry about it. Uh, you heard Orlando's voice back again after the Survivor Series show. If you haven't heard that, go to our Apple podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can listen to our Survivor Series recap show with the boys from Knockouts and Three Counts. Um, speaking of Survivor Series, remember we did our Pro Wrestling Scorecards, Us versus Pro Wrestling Scorecards Survivor Series uh, situation. And proud to say that after a really weak showing by us from the NXT War Games Scorecards, uh, three of us pulled out victories over our Pro Wrestling Scorecards counterparts. The It Couple of Pro Wrestling Scorecards, uh, Dez and Daniel, they fucking won. They beat, Dez beat Z, Daniel beat myself. But Jess lost because Jess played. Uh, so yeah, Smitty, Joe, and Orlando pulled out their wins. And so we won, 3-2. to two. Uh, It was really close. I really didn't think we were going to win. I thought it was going to be a fucking clean sweep after that fucking war games. So if you're really worried about how good TLC is going to be and you're worried about watching it and you don't think any entertainment can come from it, go check out Pro Wrestling Scorecards. That's at PW Scorecards on Twitter, Facebook, and on uh Instagram, you can get a scorecard for the TLC pay-per-view. Fill it out with your friends. See against us. Uh, Pro Wrestling Scorecards just said they want a rematch. That's fine by me. We'll get that going. But make sure you get your own scorecard from them. Uh, they'll post a TLC scorecard the Wednesday before the TLC pay-per-view. You can download it. See how you're doing on points. Because I promise you, these pay-per-views that are shit makes them so much better. Uh, that being said, make sure you follow us on all of our social media at BDRCast, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Periscope now because we're doing all of these live videos. You guys can check out our YouTube. Just type in uh, BDRCast on there. It'll take you to one of our videos in the channel. You can subscribe to that because we're posting all of these videos, even if they're just one really good-looking guy talking about wrestling for shit now. What? Uh, our hour a long time hour and a half two hours almost yeah god i have such good opinions i am the fucking shit you guys are welcome for me god you're i i'm worth it i am so worth i am worth tuning into this for i am kind of sexy uh, not really, not at all, actually. Just kidding. No, but honestly, uh, make sure you guys are listening live every Wednesday, 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can download the Podcast Detroit app and listen on the go audio. Or if you have Periscope, at BDRCast, you can follow us. You can watch the live show that we're now doing every Wednesday. And make sure you go to our YouTube 
Just type in BD, BDR cast in the search bar. Subscribe because the videos that you see live on Wednesdays will go onto our YouTube channel just like uh, two weeks ago's did, just like this week's will. Make sure you guys are subscribed on all of our Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Google Podcasts, wherever the fuck you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to us. Make sure you listen. Rate us five stars. That's all I want, five stars. Please rate us five stars. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. And uh, for everyone. On this show, for Smitty, for Joe, for Orlando, for Z, and myself, for the entire ring crew, thank you so much for listening. We are I am out.